All right, y'all, welcome to another episode of the Good Newscast. As always, glad to have you listening. Here's what we are doing today. Let's talk about the B-I-B-L-E, as the kids say it. Let's talk about the Bible. We just started uh, a sermon series normally at Redeemer. We preach through books of the Bible, preach through books of the Bible. We're doing a topical sermon series this spring. Jeff erroneously thought that it might only take six weeks. It's going to take like 15. Uh, it's going to go through May. Uh, hilarious. The Bible basics. The, the Bible basics. We want to yeah. cover at Redeemer, we want to cover the foundational Bible basics of what Christians believe. And of course, we start with the Bible itself. What is the Bible? Um, what is the Bible? So here's what we're going to do today uh, or tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Um, we're going to talk about what is the Bible, and then we're going to really hammer out some things that Jeff did not cover in his sermon, which personally, I highly recommend you listen to the sermon. It's on our sermons podcast, um, which I think is like, if you search maybe like Redeemer Waco, you can find our sermons, uh, podcast from all of our Sunday sermons, but then you can also go to our YouTube channel, search Redeemer Waco on YouTube. Uh, you can find the sermon there. I highly recommend it. It is, it is a great sermon to, um, re-energize you with the Bible to go, oh yeah, that's what the Bible is. And that's why I I really want to get into it. Um, Or just a great, it's a phenomenal sermon to really understand what is the Bible. We're going to spend a lot of our time uh, covering some things that the sermon maybe hit on a little bit here and there, but didn't Mm -hmm. have time to really get into, which is what are the consequences of viewing the Bible wrongly? What are some of the common ways that Christians, that we can view the Bible wrongly and the bad fruit that comes from that. So, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff, if you want to uh, riff a little bit, um, okay. what is the Bible? So let's just start with like, what is the Bible first? Uh, and then we can kind of look at the consequences of, of not uh, reading and approaching the Bible this way. So uh, what is the Bible? It's where God shows up. Um, and so it's, it's not just conveying information uh, it's actually getting things done. God does what he says. Uh, it's basically this. If you go to Psalm 29, you're going to see that uh, the author, King David, is going to talk about the voice of the Lord or God's words uh, doing all kinds of things. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is shaking the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord is roaring over the mighty waters, you know, over and over again, it's saying the voice of the Lord, but then it's just incredible in the midst of it. He interchanges between the voice of the Lord or the words of God, God speaking and God speaking, actually doing things right. Like the voice of the Lord is shaking. So God speaking is acting. So this is not just an empty information. It's the same as let there be light. You know, God didn't wait around. Uh, when he said, let there be light, light said, yes, sir. And, and, uh, it happened. Uh, he didn't perform outside of him speaking his words. Like I'm going to say, let there be light. And then I'm going to do it outside of my words. It was let there be light. It did it. But in Psalm 29, uh, God speaking, which is God's acting, is also God's presence because interchangeably, uh, the Lord shakes. Uh, The Lord uh, is roaring over the mighty waters. And the the author, David, King David, 
goes back and forth between those. So it, it's kind of interesting because when you do start something like Bible basics, even if you're just talking about theology proper or just uh, basic doctrine and theology, the study of knowing God, that there's there's always a little controversy that creeps in, even in our circles. So do you start with, when you're going to talk about theology and talk about doctrine, are you going to, who is God? Are you going to start with God first, you know, like in the beginning, like Genesis does, there was God? Or do you start with God's Word? Which one's first? And the Bible actually says yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says both. You start with both because God's words is God's acting is God's presence. So you could say it this way, God's word, we're saying it in a nice little catchy phrase, what is the Bible? It's where God shows up. But you could also say it's where the personal active presence of God is. So that's a um, that's the biblical view of the mm-hmm. Bible. Um, it's got incredible implications for for you personally in reading the Bible. It's got incredible implications for preaching and teaching the Bible. Uh, It's got incredible implications for the Christian life and, and how you even approach the Christian life and what you think the Christian life is and, uh, and what it's not. I mean, this thing goes from here, it goes on and on and on. I think it's worth saying too, that there are, before we do look at that, uh, what it, looks like to not treat the Bible this way. There are some doctrines that try to describe where God shows up. You might hear words like biblical inspiration. Uh, You might hear words like infallibility, inerrancy. You might hear words like authority and sufficiency. Those are all descriptive words uh, trying to put propositional language to this idea of God showing up. 100% God's words through 100% human words. Uh, These doctrines are trying to uh, explain it and tease out some implications of it. Yeah, I was going to say, under that umbrella of what you're saying, this is where God shows up, is the the reality that we're talking about, what theologians have called the inspired word of God, that this is God's word to us. So we're hearing from God. And of course, when God speaks, he speaks without error, so it's inerrant. When he speaks, his word doesn't fail us. It's infallible. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, if you want to hear more on that, listen to the sermon. It's it's phenomenal in terms of just uh, re-energizing, re-motivating you to go to God's word. Let's talk some of the consequences before we hit record. Uh, we kind of listed maybe three or four ways to view the Bible mm. um, that that will send you in the wrong direction. Um, one of them we have talked about, uh, uh, about a lot lately, kind of behind the scenes, which is viewing it in a sense as a way to activate God. Yeah. Um, which we can kind of go back and forth on this, but how, how do people or how can Christians view the Bible as a way to, you know, push the activation button on God? Yeah, that's so good. Uh, man, I'm telling you, if there is a way that, uh, I read the Bible that wrecked me over and over and over again for like the, not only the early years of uh, my Christian life, but also uh, my ministry, many of my ministry years of Christian life is this notion. Um, If the Bible is not where God shows up uh, or 
uh, God, we can, another way of saying it, God's not the actor when you read the Bible. Like he's the primary mover. He's the primary actor. He's the one at work and doing. It's his, the Bible is his personal active presence. In fact, <laughs> that's what we're going to be looking at this Sunday when God says, I am. It's in the present tense. Um, it's this personal active presence. If the Bible isn't that, then what happens is, is that you've got to bring the activation to the Bible. Uh, you've got to bring the mm-hmm. acting and the power, the getting things done to the Bible. And, and if that's the case, it's up for grabs. Mm-hmm. I mean, some folks might say uh, the way you bring the activation and the way that you're the primary actor, it might be through some technique that, mm-hmm. that makes a bestseller. You know, 10 steps to blop. Mm -hmm. It could be some uh, hidden secret that someone finally discovered and and they're willing to share it. And you do the secret and you've now activated the Bible or activated the Holy Spirit in the Bible or activated God in the Bible. Uh, But for me, the primary activation uh, that I was all consumed with was, man, if I got up at 4 a.m., instead of mm-hmm. slept in till 9 a.m., mm-hmm. that will activate God. Mm-hmm. If I read for three hours, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to like, you know, five minutes, that will act. And you can just see where this goes, right? Mm-hmm. The more, if you have a more, um, I don't know, if you're more like, I don't even want to say it, but if you have more of a personality that's driven and more of a personality that that uh, doing things is your thing, it's a killer, right? Well, okay, just do more. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then make it more, you know, it's kind of like Naaman, this great, great legendary warrior in the Bible was so offended when one... Uh, one, Elijah didn't go out and talk to him, and two, because he sent a servant, and two, the servant just said, go bathe in the Jordan, and he was just mm-hmm. completely offended because it wasn't anything great. Mm-hmm. So if you tend to have that kind of a personality, uh, it can't be just that. You can't just, mm-hmm. like, read it. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to be the activator, right? There's got to be something I do. I've got to do something great, 4 a.m., three-hour readings, maybe fast, maybe go on some you know, self-denial kick for a week before I read. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, I mean, it can it can look as simple as just like what we're talking about to simplify. It can look, can be as simple as I just personally don't feel like I am as um, uh, spirit-filled because I didn't finish the Bible in a year plan. It can be that simple. That what we mean by activating God is I'm not just going to the Bible and knowing this is where God shows up and I'm going to hear him, whether I read, I have time to read one verse today or five chapters. It is going, I will tap into more of God or the power of the Holy Spirit or whatever, however you want to say it, if I read the whole Bible in six months. Or for some people, it could be if I read it in five years, you know? And, and the same could be said, you and I are going to be more of that personality, right, of like, you know, um, what's kind of the hardest thing? It's like, let's try to read the whole Bible today. But the same can be said on the other, on the other side. Someone could say, man, if, you, if you're on a Bible in a year plan and you're reading three or four chapters a day, 
you're killing the power of God in your life, right? right? You can approach it from the other side as well to go, no, you know, only keep it simple. And that, that's why I only read one, one verse a week because that's really what activates God. Yeah. So it's, it's both sides, but yeah. either way, that's the point is it's, if you kind of feel like, oh man, I feel like I'm not really tapped into the Holy Spirit today or whatever, because I didn't read through the, my four assigned chapters. Or you argued with your wife on the way to church, or I mean, we just go on and on and on. Perhaps what could be yeah. in that thinking um, is this idea that the Bible is not just, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to put myself in front of the Bible, and this is where God's going to speak to me. There could be an extra thing there that's yeah. like, if I do the Bible right, read enough, don't read too much, whatever, memorize enough, then that'll really activate God. Yeah. That's kind of what we mean. That's a pitfall. Uh, another pitfall um, is I think there's kind of two sides of this coin. One would be just thinking the Bible is information. So this yep. is kind of like we could call it, at least as a caricature or whatever, that kind of like dry intellectual um, thing where I'm just reading the Bible because it t- contains good info about God um, and about reality, and about truth. That's where theology and doctrine gets a bad rap, right? Yes. Dry, dusty doctrine. I think that thinking, this thinking is what has created that kind of boring, yep. you know, info, information. Yep. The Bible's conveying information. Just trying to shove it into my head to pass the catechism test, yeah. you know, at the Christian end of, education, you know, even that kind of lends itself to that flavor. Um, it's just good to know, right? Like, why do I learn calculus? I have no idea. I just know it's good to know, yeah. allegedly. Or why am I learning about what's the stories of the Bible? I don't know. It's just allegedly good to know. Yeah. And at best, it's kind of information about this God who is somewhere out there. Um, and I think that that's the... The, the problem when we realize that that is that we're saying this is kind of about this God who is somewhere out there. Yeah. But I've, I feel like I've yet to meet him. That, yeah. can, that can be the consequence of seeing the Bible not as God's direct word to you where God is showing up, but it's more of this manual that he kind of sent to earth. And he just wants you to know stuff about him, mm-hmm. you know, but, but you are still wondering. The problem with that view is you're still wondering, well, how do I talk to him? Yeah. How do I have a relationship with him? So you're still the burden of activation. So even if it's just about conveying information, the burden of, of there being any sort of activating power is on the hearer or mm-hmm. the, the reader. Right. So for instance, in this, in this model, I mean, it's, it's, it might be as simple as this. Sometimes we think of it, oh yeah, I'm going, I'm reading the Bible and it's conveying to me, uh, the love of God. Whereas what, what the Bible is, is actually loving you. Mm-hmm. Big difference, mm-hmm. right? That God loves you through the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm reading about his forgiveness. Well, God actually forgives you in his words. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm reading about, you know, we can just fill in the blank. So in other words, God is personally, actively present. He's doing, uh, his speaking is his acting, which is his presence. All three of those are inseparable and entwined and undivided um and so that to me is just like 
how liberating. I mean, just yeah. even talking about it right now, I'm like, gosh, I need to hear from him. It's like you go to the Bible to be spoken back to life again. You go to the Bible to be hit by the train. It's like, what's my job? My job is to, if the Bible is a running train, uh, my job is to step in front of it. My job is get hit. So get hit. Um, that is so freeing mm-hmm. and so liberating. Same thing. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh unloading of burdens Mm -hmm. i don't carry the burden of activating god or making something happen uh and that's what i think was so when you read any luther you'll find that he never got over that never ever ever Mm -hmm. he just had all the hope in the world in the words of god because he knew that god wherever god's words were god was personally actively present in lives relationships places the world he has that one quote during the reformation i don't know what year some kind of quote of like you know essentially what was going on like the word of god was running and i was just drinking beer that's the best quote ever yeah um so on the flip side of that coin of just viewing the bible as information i think is also the idea that the information or the objective truths being communicated in the bible don't matter yeah as long as you're essentially like reading the Bible, um, if you want to riff on that a little bit, but I think it's kind of the flip side of the coin of yeah, who really cares about the original historical meaning, yeah, the actual meaning, yeah. It's just kind of like a magic book, yeah, almost like reading an incantation that you don't understand, but it does something, yeah. I think that that could be the flip side where you don't care about the information, you don't care about the doctrine, it doesn't really matter. My interpretation is my truth, your interpretation is your truth, who cares? As long as we're reading the magic book, we're somehow meeting with God. What what would you kind of say could be the... Yeah, that's really good. How and why is that like a big pitfall? That's actually like uh, a major interpretive um, tradition uh, it's called allegory. It's called, uh, some call it spiritualizing the text. And that's where, uh, you know, the incarnation is, is 100% God, 100% man, right? The God man. Mm-hmm. Um, and the scriptures are 100% God's words and 100% human words. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how do you access, quote, right? God's presence, God shows up. God's words in 100% human words. So the more you Mm -hmm. actually get into understanding and encountering the 100% human words, you're experiencing and encountering God showing up in those 100% human words. The original historical meaning matters. Uh, So allegory, spiritualizing the text, says it's almost like these 100% divine words just kind of hover over uh, the scripture, uh, and it doesn't really land in those words. It doesn't, it's, it's not there. So, uh, again, you're thrown back on yourself to create the meaning, to create the action, to create the activation. And so, uh, these words don't matter. Like, um, God as creator, uh, doesn't really matter in that particular context. It's, maybe how you feel about uh, yourself that day and uh, it triggers some sort of experience about God and thinking about God and that's really what matters and that's called allegory. So uh, 
you get to the spiritual nugget, you get to the spiritual truth, but the key is that spiritual nugget, that spiritual truth, that spiritual secret, whatever it is, is separated from the actual original historical meaning. It floats above it. It's not 100% God's words in 100% human words. Those two get divided. So you could have 100% human words and there is no God words, right? That mm-hmm. would be uh, a class today called liberalism, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's not God's word, it's just a bunch of humans and higher criticism kind of wrestled with a lot of that. Then you can have 100% human, God words with, without 100% human words and that would be allegory. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible's both. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I think that those are... Uh, I, I think that's that's what we jotted down to to hit. Um, uh, let's touch on this last thing. Yeah. In terms of content, um, ca- we've been kind of doing this. Um, it's not just this. It's more than that. You know, it's not just human words. It's uh, God's words as well. I was talking about this with the youth last night. I was asking them as we're kind of following the sermons here as well, what is God's word? One of the youth gave a great answer said, well, it's God's law. And so I kind of chased that rabbit trail down of, okay, um, in the Bible is God's law. And this kind of the last point we'll cover is content. If you were to, if someone were to ask you like what's in the Bible, there's a, uh, a historic um, reformed way of talking about what's in the Bible we could talk about it's a unified story about Jesus. That's a great answer. Um, there's a historic reformed way to say that that in the Bible, in God's one big word, are two words from God, God's word of law and God's word of gospel. So I was pursuing this with the youth last night, kind of going down this rabbit trail of, okay, that's true. There, in the Bible is God's law. What's God's law? Rules, um, his commandments, live this way, be this kind of person. And so I asked them, um, I said, okay, if, if God's law is in there and we aren't doing his law and we've broken his law, is there anything else in there for me? Is there any hope? Is there any, you know, and one of the students said that, yeah, there's hope. I said, well, what is the hope? You know, what is, what's my hope as a sinner before a holy God and I'm unholy and I've broken his commandments? Like, is there any, Jay Gresham Machen has this great quote, um, this old school Presbyterian, uh, this great quote of basically like, is there any good news? Tell me, please let me know. I'm desperate for good news. Do you have any good news for me? So the point I was trying to make to the youth was, yes, there is God's law. That's one of his messages or words, but there's another word. There's another message, a better message for me that I have to have, which is his message of good news, his word of good news. And it's news. It's not Colin, do this, don't do this, be this kind of person. It is Colin, this is what I have done for you. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, so you got, yeah, you've got two words of God that are doing and active and living. And so you have law words and you have good news gospel Mm -hmm. words, Uh, but both aren't just conveying information. Both Mm -hmm. are getting things done. Both aren't uh, uh, neutral. Um, both are communicating the active presence of God uh, just in two different words. Uh, that's yeah, that's really really huge. So you do have the the law again, which is God as Creator and has 
the spiritual fabric. Everything has been spoken into existence uh, by law. It's the way of human flourishing. It's the way of being a human being and an image bearer. Um, it's the way of reality. You can't escape it. It's it's worded into you. It's written on your heart. It now comes from the outside to us in actual words in the scripture. Um, and then there's this, but that that those words, that knowledge of God is is condemnatory. It's accusatory. It's demand, and it's always addressing us as a sinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's putting us to death. And then the gospel words resurrect us, speak us back to life. And it's about someone else's doing, dying, and rising, and not mine. And and that ultimately is the theme, the storyline of the Bible, is that good news. So I'll end with this um, fascinating text. Uh, I think you, this came up in your sermon, I think, um, from Second Peter 1, 16. Oh, yeah. Peter, yeah. if you remember, was on the Mount of Transfiguration, um, where Jesus glows like the sun, and he hears the the voice of the father this is my beloved son with whom i'm well pleased has this mountaintop experience right and ever since then like every youth camp in the world is like you know is built on that mountaintop summer camp you know whatever um so he has this insane legitimate literal mountaintop insane experience with jesus hearing the voice of the father i mean this is this is totally nuts right so peter in second peter one is recounting this experience and we kind of in mainstream evangelicalism, sometimes when we fall into these pitfall, pitfalls of seeing the Bible wrongly. We expect him to say, now go get that experience, yeah, you know, man. sign up for youth camp yeah, and go out into the woods and climb a mountain and um, leave your Bible behind, you know, and really go experience God. Yeah. We expect him to say that, but instead, instead he, he just does this shocking pivot And after explaining this, he says, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. And then he makes this huge turn and he says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention. He's talking about the scriptures. So he goes, Hey, we had this insane experience. Go read your Bible. <laughs> it's it's like, wait, excuse me? You think he's going to go, so go out into the woods and grab your journal and, and listen for God. Yeah, it's like almost like you expect like the Bible gets in the way. For some people, yes. it's like they're saying, oh, man, the Bible gets in the way of that. Yeah. Or the Bible is like your preparation for it. Yeah. You know, like get to know your Bible really well so that you can one day have that experience. Uh. And Peter just goes... I had this experience and it's le- and it has led me to realize that now the scriptures are more fully confirmed. Pay attention. Yeah. Pay attention yeah. to the Bible. That yeah. is where God shows up. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Hopefully all this is very liberating. That's that's really the I know our heart in this stuff is like to liberate Christians to go um like what we just said, you do not have to view the Bible as getting in the way of your experiencing of God. You don't have to view the Bible as just preparation, right? Listen to a sermon so that you can do the real work of like Holy Spirit ministry in the altar call after, right? The Bible is going to send you over there. No. Do you want to experience God? Do you want to hear from God? Great. He says right there, Peter goes, go read the Bible. 
yeah. go listen. It doesn't mean that it's going to feel like any certain way. You're going to feel all sorts of different ways, right? Yeah. Um, depending on how the Holy Spirit is using his word and, and literally what you're reading. Yeah. As you were talking about, you read the law and you might feel convicted for your sin because God is at work in his law to convict you. And then you read this great gospel text, John three sixteen, and you have quiet and you have peace as God works the gospel deep in your heart. Um, so go read the scriptures that, again, are a unified story, ultimately, about the better Adam, Jesus, coming to live, die, and rise for us to fulfill the law for us, die for our sins, rise from the dead. That is what the scriptures are always pointing you back to and delivering to you. Good news, good news, good news again and again. Hopefully this is helpful, guys. Uh, next week, we will we'll talk about some other stuff, but we're uh, we're talking about God. Jeff is preaching on God uh, this Sunday. Um, pray for him. And then uh, we'll talk Please. about that on the podcast next week. Peace. Peace.